This is Liz Reed. This is my podcast called Liz Life Guru. I'm a practicing therapist here in Michigan. This show will focus on addiction, mental health issues from beginning to end. I am also in recovery for the past 20 years and have plenty of topics that can help you from A to Z. So let's get started. Gina, I am glad to see you and have you back. How are you doing? I'm well. Hello. Did you have a good time in Italy? I did. Yeah, it looked lovely. like it. It looked like it. The food looked incredible. Mm. Absolutely wonderful. Huh, was the food spectacular? My favorite place in the world. Yeah, I, I ate, know. I ate everything. You did. How you did. fun! I and ate nice. and I drank everything. Yep. That is it so all. awesome. Yeah, I and, you know, it's what you should do when you get away, right? Right. Yeah, and I did. I took advantage of it. Did you overindulge at all? No. You know what? I am. Oh, well, okay. Food. Uh, yes, I probably ate more than yes. yes. Alcohol, no. Did I drink? Yes, I had some lovely wines. Because you know what? You're one of those people that can have a cocktail and walk away, yeah. right? Yeah. You don't have to do it every day. No, although I will say in Italy, I did because I was in Italy and yes. I had some amazing wines. And you know what? I'll tell you, I drank white wine, which I am not in States. I am not a white wine drinker. Don't like it. Don't drink it. It's mm-hmm. too sweet for me. Italy is a different kind of wine, mm. not mm. sweet. So I, would I did drink wine every single day. However, I'm home and I am, I have not had wine since I've been home. That's like me when I'm in California. I always put an avocado in my scrambled eggs. Don't ask me why. It goes back to when I lived in California. When right. I'm home, I don't ever put an avocado in my scrambled eggs. Just saying. Yeah. But this brings us to the point of our show today was, is, is about addiction, right? I, um, you know, that... I have been in sobriety for some time. This past Sunday, I just celebrated 21 years of sobriety. Congratulations. <sighs> and the, the crowd, crowd goes, goes wild. wild. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm very happy. I'm very happy. That's excellent. You know, it's been a long time, so it's not like it's a big, momentous occasion. It should be, though. I know. I guess. I guess. Did but- you try for sobri- sob- sobriety more than once? Um, maybe twice. That was about it. I consider myself to be one of the miracles of sobriety, one of the people who was able to quit drinking, end that nightmare, and recover on the other side and not ever relapse. I have not relapsed as of to date in the 21 years I've been sober, which is a rarity. That doesn't normally uh, occur. Mm -hmm. Most people don't get sober one time and continue to stay sober. And there's many people that get, you know, drink again after like 26 years. What was your alcohol of choice? Vodka with a breeze of soda over the top and a little piece of lemon. Do you miss it? No, I do not miss it. I, I, had the negative feelings that were associated with drinking that were so difficult for me to uh, get past when I drank heavily, um, I don't miss that. So I associate the two together, negativity and alcohol for me. And I grew up in an Irish Catholic family. Everybody drank, everybody drank. Five o'clock was cocktail hour. So when you were drinking, you started early, you started late, you, you drank. Well, let's just trail it back a little bit. So, you know, back in the day I smoked weed, partied, did everything with all my friends and stuff. You know, we started all that nonsense about 14, 15, 16, but I was a good student, you know, and did well. It wasn't really a big problem. I was in the restaurant business and then I started having panic attacks. (laughs) Let's fast forward to now I'm like 20 years old, 21 years old. I started having panic attacks when I was 19. My mother said, have a drink, you'll feel better. 
okay? And I was a big into wines as well because I was also a trained chef. So I drank a lot, I did a lot sure. of wine tastings and stuff, which I absolutely enjoyed and loved. And um, that wasn't a problem. But then it became my medicine, having a drink after work and drinking. You could drink at work too if you needed to. I didn't personally, but you could if you needed to. So if I was ever feeling super stressed out, I could throw back a shot and go back out there and finish what I was doing, right? <clears throat> so that kind of became my medicine for my anxiety and my anxiety disorder, which is not the way to go. But also this was back in the day, right? right. In the 80s. And, well, and that's when they said, oh, have a drink, you'll feel better. I mean, that was the medicine that they said. Ever, everybody drank because it just took yeah. the edge off. Yes, exactly. Took, took the, the edge, edge off. off. Sure. So I would say that, you know, I always drank. I was, a, you know, I guess a heavy drinker. I guess, we, you know, I drank every day. I always drank with my boyfriends and family and we always drank, but it was never, it never seemed to be out of control until my life was very difficult. Did you start early in the morning or just- Oh always, God, no. No, no so no, it wasn't no, like no, you no. got up and had a hair Hell in the no. dog. No, no. Okay. not until later. That did occur later okay. on. So in the beginning, no, it wasn't like that. Like when we were young in our early twenties, yeah, you'd have a beer before you went to the restaurant or something sure. like that while you're laying out in the sun. Cause I lived in California and um, that was about it. You know, that was just normal procedure in your twenties. But then as I got older- um, I drank accordingly at, you know, I guess, as you would say, five o'clock cocktail hour and have drinks at around five and have a couple of drinks and go to bed. Then when I met my husband that I've been married to for 25 years, um, 24 years this year, we've been together 25. So um, when I was going through a lot of baby mama drama, bullshit with his family, a sure. lot of stress, I was living in Arizona, I hated it there. And I was like wound up like a top cocktail hour got earlier and earlier and earlier, and I was using it to cope. Mm -hmm. And then it, it, it fast forward and trail into when my alcoholism actually kicked in, um, not when my stepdaughter was around because we had her every other week, but um, I was finding myself, yes, in the middle of the night, I'd wake up, I would be nervous and anxious and just do a little slug of wine because really? I gave up vodka for wine oh. <laughs> in a box, okay? <laughs> Good that's Lord. that's not the, even anything good. No, hell no, because you're going for quantity, not quality, right? Okay. So I'd hit the spigot and go, well, I hit the box a little hard last night. And I'm like, okay, because my girlfriend said to me, uh, Bird, that's my nickname, Bird, if you give up vodka and start drinking wine, you know, you won't get his buzz. Don't worry about it. So you just drink more wine. It's all a bunch of bullshit, right? It's just all the same poison, right. all the same exact poison. I don't have the ability to just say no, you know, when it comes to alcohol, but not everything. In So I'm, I don't have an addictive personality. Just to alcohol? Just to alcohol, because okay. I was using it to manage my anxiety. Sure. And so when you drink a lot, so there's a lot of sugar in alcohol. Yeah. So you're chasing your tail. So you go to, yeah, you crash and go to sleep. You wake up three or four hours later and you're strung out. You're anxious. You have all this insulin levels are spiking. You can't fall back asleep. And when you're in an alcoholic loop or on a binge, then you are, you know, you're like, if I just have a little swig, I'll relax, calm down and be able to go back to sleep. And I did that for about two years on and off. I was drinking really heavy while I was going through all this bullshit with my husband and his family. So you're when you're waking up in the middle of the night, and having a little swig, your husband thought they're sleeping. He he's just, sleeping. he slept through it. Yeah. Did he even, did he realize you were drinking in the middle of the night? No, he didn't know, but he, you know, and he knew though. Um, and then it got really bad a couple of times where I was drinking all day, sleeping and drinking all day. That happened like for two days, twice in eight years. But that was just because 
my anxiety was so bad. I didn't have medication. I wasn't addressing my issues. I didn't have a therapist. I mm-hmm. wasn't finding medication to help me deal with it, right? So <clears throat> all these years keep going by, and I'm like, you know, why am I allowing his family, what I'm going through here, taking over my life? I'm going to end up dead. So at what point after you had that conversation with yourself, mm-hmm. did someone else approach you and say, hey, sister? No. No. Because that's what a functioning alcoholic can do. I still had a job. I never got fired from anything. I didn't get in trouble. I was still working all the time. I was making great money. I just drank a lot as far as everybody knew, right? So this is this dirty little secret that you carry around with yourself. And especially as a woman who drinks heavily, people don't dig that. Right. You know, you're an unfit mother, you know, pull it together, girl. You know, this is, you know, not socially acceptable whatsoever. If a man's an alcoholic, he's going through something. I hate to, you know, be, you know, sexualize that, but it's true, you know, sexism in any way, but it is true. Men can get away with a hell of a lot more than women can. So your husband never at any point said, hey, you know, you're doing a little too much or... Yeah, we there. he was like, I remember one day he came home from work and I was pretty buzzed by the time he came home. Now everything was clean in the house. I had made dinner. Everything was fine. He's like, wow, you're awfully buzzed for five o'clock in the afternoon. I'm like, well, everything's done. What's the problem? I don't get it, you know? Right, yeah, you had just had a little something. You sure. celebrated. He sure. put up with a lot though. He, I mean, I would get pissed off. I would take all my anger out on him and his baby mama drama and his family and stuff on him. You know, when I was buzzed and, you know, the fuck this, I don't need this and blah, 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 glug, 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 right? And then pass out, wake up in the morning and go, oh my God, you know, what did I say? I didn't mean to say anything really horrible to him. But it got to the point that I realized this was, I was playing the perpetual victim here and I needed to get sober to save my life. Did you wake up in the morning and think I'm never going to do this again or that never crossed your mind? It, it did when I find, like, like I, I just was telling a patient this yesterday, a year before, if you would have said to me, Liz, you'll be sober next year. And I was like, I would have said, you're crazy. Never going to happen. I'm going to drink cocktails forever. It was just kind of like one of those epiphanies, those uh, divine intervention, invention, div- interventions, I'm trying to say, that comes, that happens to you where you suddenly realize that this is not for you anymore. I remember um, my my daughter was, my stepdaughter was sleeping with me and she was probably about eight or nine at that time. And I remember looking at her while she was sleeping and going, she she is so innocent and has never had a drop of alcohol and she's sleeping like a baby and she's so happy and comfortable. I want to be her. I would be do anything to be her, to be calm like that and feel like that. And that was kind of the beginning of the end for me with the alcohol. And I remember I was at my my mother-in-law's house and I was drunk and I was drinking because she was very difficult to be around. She still is to this day. She's a very difficult woman. And I had a giant margarita, three quarters tequila, (laughs) okay, with a lime. And I was like, I'm, I announced everyone, I am quitting drinking and I am going to go back to school. Everybody's like, okay, Liz. Just after I finish this, right? <laughs> Let me get this one down. And it will <laughs> and everybody was like, okay, Liz, sure, you know, blah, had blah, you, blah. And now had you talked to people that you were gonna quit before? No. No, you no, just, saw, just I knew it was my journey. Right. So you just decided in the middle of this cocktail. This yeah. Ha- this- I'm, but I know I've been thinking about it. Right. You know, I've been thinking about it for a while that like I remember looking at a vodka that I had or a, that wine at that time and going, This this is just shit. 
this is just this this liquid in this glass is ruining my life. Mm-hmm. And for what? My anxiety isn't any better. I'm up all night with anxiety. My anxiety's you know go through the roof all day. You know, wringing my wrists and you know you know clenching my fists till I can have a drink tonight because I'm so anxious. And then also you know when shit's going down in your life and you're feeling really negative and depressed, you know I would have a drink. You know, normal life's problems have a drink in it. I called it my dose of optimism. You know, I'd have a sip and I was like, oh, oh shit, I can do this. It's all going to be okay. And then I thought to myself, okay, that hasn't even reached my bloodstream yet and I already feel better. Mm-hmm. This is a mind thing. I can change this. I can feel better. I can do this without alcohol because I just didn't want it in my life anymore. And I remember my, my brother, who's been in recovery for many, many years, my brother Dan, um, as Bill knows, said to me, Bird, you know what? You know what alcohol does? It makes you weak. And I was like, amen to that. It does. It does. It makes you weak. It makes you cry. It makes you say things. It affects the frontal lobe of your brain, your decision-making area, right? Where you are, you know, this is why we do stupid shit when we're drunk. Drive things into walls, Mm -hmm. you know, drink too much, do 10, 15 shots, or sleep with somebody you would normally not sleep with when you're in your right mind. It's all bad decision-making. Say things you'd never say if you weren't, you know, drinking. And so- I remember saying to myself that, you know what, this shit is out of my life. It's going to be out of my life and I'm going to do it. And, um, I had been drinking for a while. I, I, you know, that day. And then like a couple days later, and I'm like, I had, I was smart enough to know that if I just stopped drinking suddenly, I was on one of those binges I was telling you about was I was drinking on and off for like 24 hours. I was like, I could potentially have a seizure. So I don't want to have a seizure. So I'm going to check myself into a rehab, into oh, was an this outpatient. After, was, now, was this after you had made the family yes, announcement? Yes, the statement. Yes. <laughs> and that ends dinner tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So um, a couple of days later, um, I called around, found a place. Had you still continued to drink those following days? Yeah, you have to. Like, oh, you, like okay. I'm just going to advise anybody who's on here right now. Who's listening? Who's listening, for sure. You. It is the number one most dangerous thing. That you can do is to if you're drinking heavily like I was to stop drinking suddenly you you will have you could have a grand mal seizure and die it's very very dangerous so anytime we see people in rehab when I worked at the rehab facility I had a very large man who came in who minimized his drinking said he wasn't drinking as much as he was and we had a I him on a phenobarbital regimen that's what we do which is a sedative which affects the nervous system exactly like alcohol does and it helps cause it's a benzodiazepine and it calms down the nervous system so you won't seizure um he minimized how much he was drinking didn't tell us how much and he died the next day he had a seizure in his room from withdrawal from withdrawal and uh, we had no idea that you know i just said to him i'll see you tomorrow we'll go over your stuff he looked great he was all well dressed but he could really hold his liquor you know when you build mm-hmm. you build up a tolerance with liquor right and so um, you can't just stop drinking. So if somebody's like, I'm throwing all your shit out, you're never having a drink again, you might just be killing that person unless you plan on taking them immediately to a hospital to detox properly. You just cannot do that. But opiates are a whole nother story. You can stop suddenly, you'll be dope sick, but you're not going to die from the withdrawals, but you will from alcohol if you're okay. drinking that much. So you continued to drink a little bit so that you didn't yeah. die. And then yeah. you found a... A hospital. A hospital. Inpatient, outpatient? Inpatient, detox. How long were you there? Um, excuse me. I was there um, five, four or five days. Oh, so not long. Not long. No, not very long. Um, and I guess I didn't want to go to a proper um, rehab facility because I had too many responsibilities and a job and everything. So 
Um, they brought me in. They evaluate you. Uh, I think I blew some ridiculously high number. I don't even know what it was. And I hadn't had a drink for several hours. And I was like, okay, that's really scary. Very scary. Okay. Sure. Oh, my God. I need to get out of this. So anyways, so yeah, I had the wherewithal. My husband came home from work, and I said, we're going to detox. I need you to take me to detox. He's like, are you kidding me? Had my bag packed and everything. Because he didn't see it as you saw it. He saw that you drank occasion, but he wasn't. He was sleeping during some of these hours. He, he knew I drank heavily, and he had mentioned little bits. I'm sure he wanted me to quit. Let's not be, you know, dumb here. I know he wanted me to quit. But, you know, he hadn't brought it up. And there was a lot of drama going on all the time. Anyways, and he knew I was really suffering with that. Um, so he was like, okay, well, fine. He took get me in the car. Get in the car. <laughs> I mean, he drove me to the detox center. They put me in, uh, uh, in they admitted me. Uh, they put me in a phenobarbital regimen. And let me tell you, even on a phenobarbital regimen, which is going to be like, you know, you're, it's going to relax you and, and take away the symptoms. I suffered. You cannot believe the suffering. I mean, emotionally and physically, I was shaking from head to toe. And is and that just common as you're detoxing? Sick. Yes. I was just, it felt like somebody had taken the skin off my body. And I was just left in a sh in a freezer, shaking mm. uh, internally and externally. Just like it was the most horrendous thing I'd ever been through in my life. I couldn't, and I can see why people go back, right? So yeah, exactly, because you don't want to do this again. Yeah. So like, oh, it's better on the other side. Yeah. So do they give you anything, or they just tell you to ride it phenobarbital. out? But phenobarbital, right? But oh yeah, as you're going through no, this, they're symptoms, not gonna. You, yeah, no, no, you got to ride most of it out. You got to ride it out. And Here's so, a blanket. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Go back to bed, lay down. Then you had to be in AA meetings. And I remember just sitting in AA, meet, AA meetings, just crying, just sobbing. I couldn't eat a thing. I was just like, oh my God, I'm really going to deal with my life now. I have to open all these Pandora boxes. I have to face every single thing I've been avoiding my whole life. And, but I'm doing it. I am doing it because I'm never doing this again. Never doing this again. The detox. Yeah, I'm yeah. never going through this again. I will never pick up another drink. And I remember standing in the window, looking at people getting in and out of their cars from the hospital and stuff and going, I want to be that, I, if I could be that person, that person, because we view everybody else as normal, right? Sure. Everybody else is normal. And you just think you're this outcast and no one's ever been through this. And you're, you're such a, I'm such a fucking loser. I, what a, oh my God, I hate myself. I loathe me, you know, blah, blah, blah. So you detox, it's four or five days, you get yeah. out, you mm -hmm. realize you're never going through this process again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now you have to go back home. Well, yeah. Still the baby drama and the sure, issues all of and this all stuff. that. So, yeah. So when I was in detox, um, I asked to be put in IOP, which is intensive outpatient therapy. And so I went there four days a week and for five to six hours a day, you're there. And then I was able to work in the evenings because I was a professional caterer at that time. So most of my stuff was in the evenings. And then I also went to AEA meetings every single day. Because listen, you're born sober. You become an alcoholic. Your state of mind changes and you think as an alcoholic. You don't think as a sober person any longer. So you need to inundate, inundate yourself with sober people, sober thinking, sober thoughts. So AA and IOP that I was in, I stayed in all of that. I just, I asked the nurses, what can I do to never drink again? And she said, this is what you do. And I did it. And every, my ass was there. And I was living in central Phoenix at the time. So I was there with all Hispanic males that were all alcoholics. There were no women. 
And I was just like, hi, I'm Liz. Uh, <laughs> I'm an alcoholic. But I went every single day. Was your Prior to all of this, was your husband drinking also? He doesn't drink very much. He, the, the guy has like one beer and he's wasted. Okay? Oh, okay, so he didn't drink very much. He had a, you know, he worked for the city. So, okay, so it wasn't like you both were, no, were drinking. No, none, so none of when that. you came home, mm -hmm. did he continue to have a beer occasionally? Or He did. He was real pissed at me when I got sober. Real pissed at me when I got sober. I mean, even challenging me. He picked me up from rehab with a beer between his legs. Why do you think that was? Ah, passive aggressive, something like that. We just had this fight the other day, actually. I was like, that was so fucked up that you did that to me. You'll, I'll never be able to forgive you for that. Not that I wanted the beer, but that it was it was so insensitive. Right, like, look what I have. Yeah, you, I, just, I was like, I fucking it. hate you for that. Right. I mean, I really hate you for that. And um, because I didn't want the beer. And, I, and, and you know what? I'm going to give him kudos for that because it just drove me to say, you just wait and see what I become. Just wait until you, you see what I do. Go ahead and underestimate me. Underestimate me, mofo, because yeah. this is, it, like, your life's about to change because mine has. And that's exactly what, I love the man, but it, that was, he's changed. He's not the same person whatsoever. Sure. And I ended up leaving him. I ended up leaving him. I stayed for like another year and a half and I left him for a year. And you know what? His life didn't change. Mine did. He realized I was not part of the problem. It was all his problem, his shit. I, there was nobody to blame but himself and, his, and who he had married and what had gone on in his own family. And so I came out the other side saying, I don't even, you know, I moved back to Michigan. I don't even know if I want you here. And he, you know, agreed to everything and changed everything. We bought a home here. And that was 17 years ago. And we've been good ever since. We have our ups and downs, of course. But, you know, I honestly think that he didn't think I'd ever get sober. He underestimated me, him and his manipulative mother. What was the biggest lesson or the biggest eye opener that you learned about yourself when you got sober? Um, just that I, one of the things is, you know, I know everybody would say that how much strength I have and power, but I always knew I had that. I just knew this was a crutch. This was medicine for me. What I, what I, the, the biggest eye opener is is things that you think you cannot do, you think that you may need this in order to survive and carry on in your life. The best times of my life have been since I've been sober. Mm -hmm. The best parties, the best fun, the most education. I mean, I got two degrees and a minor. I've made a successful career, a whole different one than I had before as a therapist now, right? I help, I give back. Um, it's just that your life can be 10 times better than it ever, ever, ever was sober. Cause it's, it's a grip that gets a hold of you and your mind that tells you, you need me. If you don't have me, you will never be happy. If you don't have me, you will never have fun again. That's the biggest thing I hear from people. You know, you'll never have fun again. You'll be boring. Everything will be boring. That is the biggest eye opener. I, I am the life of the party and I have not had a drop of alcohol. Do you miss it? Uh, do you, no, I, I don't. I don't miss it at all. I hate it, actually. And I feel sorry for people who have to drink. I really do. I have a genuine sadness when I see people drinking too much, I would say, or the need for it. Um, the only thing I do miss is, like I said, I really enjoyed wine tastings and pairing foods with wines and working with sommeliers and things like that, because that's all part of my catering the, sure. and my, you know, degree is uh, my time as a chef. I loved it. You know, I really loved it. Now, when, when someone else, when you go to dinner with a group of people or just one other, two other people, does it, yeah. 
Does it bother you Not if they decide to have a like? Oh, have I'm at it. Have a drink. I'm- have at it. Enjoy yourself. I am totally fine with water with lemon or a diet coke or something like that. It doesn't bother me at all. That's the true. That's kind of one of the things that uh, needs to be said is that when you're in your sobriety, when you finally realize that the pink cloud can stay with you forever, that this is the greatest thing you've ever done for yourself. There's nothing that can take you back. Because I know, Gina, if I had a drink today, I'd be back binge drinking in a week. Because that's how fast it works. That's why so many people commit suicide when they relapse. And that's why it's a chance you can never take. Uh, My husband's even mentioned to me at times, you don't even seem like you're that bad of a drinker. I don't see why you can't have a glass of wine. or I'm like, oh, hell no. And don't even say that. I don't even need that in my... Mm-hmm. craw here. I don't need to know any of that. I am better off without that shit ever in my life ever again. It's been the greatest decision I ever made in my life. When you became sober, was there, did you substitute something else? Like you overdid something, sugar. 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 That's really common. Yeah. Anybody in opiate addiction or in alcohol addiction, because everything's packed with sugar. There's so much sugar in alcohol that you will crave sugar. And I encourage anybody, when you get sober and you start craving sugar, eat the goddamn sugar. <laughs> Don't worry about it. I have people like, well, I'm going on a diet, quitting cigarettes. I didn't smoke. And I'm going to, you know, not ingest any sugar and quit alcohol. I'm like, well, then you're going to fail. Right. Do one thing at a time. One thing at a time. For someone who's listening today who identifies with some of what you have said, what's the first step they need to do? Well, first step is you have to want it. No, you know, we have, we have interventions with people to help them see the other side of recovery. And a lot of times it can be successful and there's a lot of times it is not. But if you can at least get somebody to start exploring it, understanding that there's a better you out there, recovery is waiting for you. So the first thing to do is if you have just a glim or a little teeny glimmer in your mind of I'm better than this, I can do better than this, because no alcoholics laying around in a heap saying, I love myself just as I am right now, drooling in a bucket, sick to my stomach, throwing up, having my alcohol in a sippy cup or whatever the hell it is to get away with it. Nobody's happy with themselves. The best thing you can do, the peace of mind you can have in your life is giving all of that up, waking up in the middle of the night and going, I don't have a hangover. You want the best feeling in the world is knowing you've accomplished something, not said something that is embarrassing and facing your fears. Get yourself a good therapist, get yourself a rehab community, And most of all, don't drink. And there's nothing that can turn you back to it because it's just going to be the same chasing of your tail that for many people leads to uh, a lifetime of addiction or suicide. As a friend who has someone going through it, what can I do? So if I have a friend or I have a a relative or, you know, I have a partner or if I have someone, what can I do to help? to support that person who's going through this. You know, um, I can't make them do it. I can't no, you make can't. them start. No, you can't. You can't, you can't enable but them. What can I do once they've started down this path? Yeah, You can't enable them. You can say, Hey, listen, you're not coming to my house. If you're drunk like this, or you're using whatever the drug of choice is, mm-hmm. um, you can't come here intoxicated. I love you. I will drive you to an AA meeting. I'll drive you to rehab, but I will not give you money. I will not have you, uh, you know, I won't take you to buy alcohol. Um, these are our boundaries, and I want, just want you to know that we love you. I just want you to know that we love you. And that's all you can do. Enabling ends up with them drinking themselves to death. 
It's a very difficult subject, um, and there's plenty more to talk about. But um, after 21 years of being sober, I can honestly say these have been the best 21 years of my life, and I regret nothing. Thank you, Gina. Congratulations. The information in this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not meant to replace treatment or diagnosis by a qualified mental health professional. 